You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. God wants his people to prosper, and I believe that he's anointed me to help you to prosper, to go from one level to another level all year, and we're going to break poverty and lack and scarcity, unfulfilled desire over your life. It's going to take you to another level of abundance in God. Come on, take this journey with me. How to win our prosperity edition 2024. Are you ready to break free from the chains of anxiety, stress, and depression? Mike Moore, author and founding pastor of Faith Chapel and host of the How to Win podcast, is here with his new book, Help, My Mind is Under Attack. Learn how to overcome attacks on your mind and live an emotionally healthy life. Grab your copy now, available as ebook on Amazon and paperback on MikeMoore.com. Embark on your journey to complete mental health and emotional peace. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Listen, I'm so happy to have you with us today, and I am in the midst of my prosperity edition, and I believe it's going to be a great blessing to you today. I'm going to begin a new series today under the heading of material prosperity entitled The God of Abundance. God gave me this revelation that he is the God of Abundance way back in my personal history, 1988. God began to show me uh, that he was the God of abundance. Now, the goal of this series is to develop in you a, an abundance mentality. I want to enlarge your understanding of your potential in God and his provision. It's going to be a, a, a great blessing, and, and I love this particular subject. Now, in each one of these lessons, we have a series titled The God of Abundance, and then in each lesson, we have a subtopic. Our subtopic today in lesson one is entitled The Abundant Life, What Is It? The Abundant Life, What Is It? Now, background text is John 10. 10, we'll look at it in the authorized King James Version. It says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, Jesus speaking now, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it life more abundantly. When you look at our text, John 10, 10, Jesus is speaking, we see right away that God is not our problem. God is not your problem. Now notice, Jesus says that the devil, the thief, comes to steal. He comes to take from us. He comes to take from you. Scripture says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. On the other hand, Jesus speaking of himself, said, I am come that you might have. 
have life and have life more abundantly. Now notice the devil comes to take from us. God, Jesus comes that we might have. Take, have, take, have. We have two things in juxtaposition and let's not confuse Jesus with the devil. He said, I am come that you might have life. That word life means <clears throat> the God quality of life. It means life the way God lives. So an abundant life is a full life. Say that. An abundant life is a full life. Now we're talking about abundance. What is it? So when we talk about a life that is full of abundance, what does it mean? What does an abundant life mean? Well, there are two sides to this revelation that I want you to get. Uh, the abundant life is a life that's, number one, superior in quality. And then number two, the abundant life means to superabound in quality. Superabound, pardon me, superabound in quantity. So we got two things here. We got quality of life and we have quantity of life. So let's talk about what it means to enjoy a superior a quality of life. Well, I have uh, four definitions. We're defining what a, a life that's superior in quality. What does that mean? And I have four definitions. Definition one, the word uh, quality or superior in quality means better than other things of the same kind. Better than other things of the same kind. Kind. You're living this quality of life where you're enjoying material things better than other material things of the same kind. In other words, if it's a house, it's better than other houses. If it's a vehicle, it's better than other vehicles. If it's clothes, it's better than other clothes. If it's a vacation, it's better than other vacations. Isaiah chapter 1, and each one of these definitions have a proof text. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 says, if you be willing and obedient, you will enjoy, experience the good of the land, the good of the land. The second definition that I have of a life that's superior in quality is a first-class life, a first-class lifestyle. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13 says, the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. The word superior comes from the Latin word meaning above. The word superior, we're talking about a life that's superior in quality. And the word superior means, it it's a Latin word, 
It comes from a Latin word that means above. So this word superior literally means something that above other quality and status is something that is above other quality and status. I believe that it is God's will for you as a believer to live a first-class lifestyle. My third definition is a word that many Christians struggle with. And this definition is the word luxury. I believe that God wants you to have a life of luxury. Now, the word luxury simply means comfortable and beautiful things in life beyond what is necessary. Comfortable, beautiful things in life above that which is necessary. I believe that God wants you, believer, to have a life of luxury. I know that there's more to life than material things. And I know that sometimes when we talk about uh, uh, living a quality of life in the kingdom and we mention the word luxury, that it sounds carnal to the unrenewed mind. But listen at this. Jesus' first miracle recorded in John 2, 1 through 11, he turned water into wine. Now, there was a wedding feast. They ran out of wine. Jesus took six water water pots or pots of jar, had water poured in them, said, take it to the master of the feast. On the way, the water was turned to wine. Now, this was a, a, a miracle of luxury because they didn't need more wine. They had had plenty of wine, but the wine, uh, uh, the, the wine, they just dissipated because they used it up. Now, listen at this. God, when you, when you think of comfort or comfortable life, we really struggle with that because we have this mentality that God wants us to always be uncomfortable and always be struggling. But God is not opposed to your personal comfort. God is not opposed to your personal comfort. In other words, God would rather you have a life of comfort than you have a life of discomfort. God is not opposed to your personal comfort, convenience, or you having things that make the use of your time and energy more efficient. Now, you you can you can travel from one location during utilizing different modes of transportation. If here in the South, and I'm in Birmingham, if I'm in the South and I wanted to travel to New York, now I could travel from Birmingham to New York via or by way of a bicycle. 
and given enough time and energy, I can ride a bike from Birmingham to New York. Now, there's another alternative. I can take a flight. I can fly in an airplane. Now, riding a bike, nothing immoral about that may be a little uncomfortable over such a long period of time. You may run into rain. You may run into other kinds of things, traffic problems, a lot of different kinds of things. You may get tired pedaling, but you'll get there, all things being equal. But it would be more comfortable, more efficient as it relates to your time, more comfortable as it relates to your energy and your well-being to take a flight. And all I'm saying is that God is not opposed to your comfort. He's not opposed to you having a convenience. He's not opposed to you having a better way to do a thing. Now, I'll, I'll say this, and I know people don't care about this kind of thing, but I don't wear suits a lot. I mean, dress suits a lot now, but I do wear dress suits to certain occasions. And in my wardrobe, I have suits that were tailor-made, and then I have suits that came off the rack. A tailor-made suit is, is, is uh, created or sewed in such a way that it fits you. And for the most part, if it's a good suit, it will last longer than a suit off the rack. It has nothing to do with value. It has nothing to do with uh, one person having more value than another person. But I just discovered that my suits last longer if I spend a little more money in it. In other words, if I get the suit tailor-made. Now, now it doesn't add anything to my spirituality. It wouldn't add anything to your spirituality. All I'm saying that God is not opposed to it. I'm not saying you have to have a tailor-made suit. That's just an example. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God is not opposed to your comfort, your personal convenience, things that make life for you uh, better, more efficient in terms of your time. Now, listen, it's just an illustration. It is important, and what I want you to get across in this definition, luxury, that it you have to remove from your vocabulary I don't need that. You have to remove from your vocabulary all that is not necessary. Now, some people say, like what I'm teaching now, uh, and even using the word luxury as it relates to a Christian and saying that God uh, wants you to have a life of luxury, many Christians believe that's materialism. It's materialism. I, I don't. I don't believe having nice things makes you materialistic. I think materialism is when you try to take a material need, a material thing, and satisfy a spiritual need. 
If the tailor-made suit makes me more spiritual, if it makes me more holy, then that would be materialism. But in my mind, it has nothing to do with uh, uh, value. It has to do with the, the length of wear that I can get out of it. Uh, the, the way it fits my body, I just think that it's better. Okay. I'm not, I'm not equating that to value and, and materialism because I don't think that I think you can have nice things and not be materialistic. Now, my, uh, fourth definition of the word superior, and we're talking about superior in quality is the best. Best, B-E-S-T. I believe that God wants you to enjoy the best that this world has to offer. Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 22 in the Common English Bible gives us the response of the father to the prodigal who had returned home. You've heard the story, or maybe you've heard the story in Luke chapter 15 of a prodigal, a third man had two sons and the prodigal son, the younger son went off into a far land, wasted his, his inheritance. And he came to himself, repented, decided to come back to the father. He was going to repent, would have been satisfied to just be a servant. So when he came to his father, here's what his father said in Luke 15, 22, he said, but his father said to the servant, hurry and bring the best clothes and put them on him. Now notice this is a portrait of God the Father and a son who had backslidden coming back to God and God says, listen, I don't want you as a servant. I want you as a son and bring the best clothes for my son. I quoted Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 earlier. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And the word good, I'll define it for you now in Isaiah 119, means beautiful, fine, and best. If you be willing and obedient, you shall enjoy the beautiful, fine, and best things of life. Now, we're talking about the fact that the abundant life is a life that is first superior in quality. So let's review the definitions of superior in quality. Number one, superior in quality means better than other things of the same kind. Secondly, the word, the word superior quality means a first-class lifestyle. And then thirdly, superior quality means a luxury. And then fourthly, the word, uh, word superior quality means the best. I believe that these definitions communicate God's desire for your life. Now, why is it, before we go over to, to superior quantity, why is it that God wants you to experience things that are better than other things of the same kind? Why is it that God wants you 
believer to live a first-class lifestyle? Why is it, believer, that God wants you to enjoy luxuries in life? And why is it that God wants you to enjoy the best that this world has to offer? I'll give you three reasons. Number one, because you are a child of God. If you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're God's child. In the same way that God is a father, I am a father. I'm a father of two adult children. And when they were growing up, and even now as an an adult, it was always my desire that they enjoy the very best in life. I never wanted them to struggle. I never wanted them to lack. I never wanted them to experience scarcity. I never wanted them to, to live at a level that was lower than other kids. In fact, I wanted them to enjoy the best that this has to offer. So it shouldn't be strange to us that God wants his children to enjoy the best that he can afford in life. Then secondly, God's reputation is at stake. The scripture says in this great shepherd psalm, how the Lord is my shepherd, Psalms 23, I shall not want. In the third verse, it says, he leaves me in the paths of righteousness. And if you studied the word righteousness in that context, it means prosperity, paths, plural, meaning there are different paths of prosperity, different kinds of prosperity. There's spiritual prosperity, mental and emotional prosperity. Uh, There's relational prosperity, physical prosperity, financial prosperity. So he leads us into the paths, plural, of prosperity, of righteousness. And the scripture says he does it for his name's sake. In other words, the way my children dress and the way they live especially and even more so even as adults, is a reflection on me, especially if they are under my jurisdiction as children, the way they live, the way they eat, the, the, the clothes that they wear, how all of their material needs being met or not being met is a reflection on the father. It's a reflection on the Father's either will or capacity to provide. Well, I'm saying that if God owns the silver and the gold, and the scripture says that he does, if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the earth is his, and the scripture says that he's the owner, then it would be a reflection on him in reality if we're struggling and he owned everything. You see, his name is on the line. His reputation is on the line. And then thirdly, God wants to get the attention of the unsaved, the attention of the unsaved. People walk by sight. Believers, we're to call to be walking by faith. But people look at the unsaved, look at our lifestyle, and it is a reflection on God. 
So if I'm struggling, can't make it, okay, but I am telling people uh, about Christ, but God is not helping me. I mean, I'm struggling. I, I, In fact, I have to depend on the unbeliever to just make it in life. Now, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad or condemn anybody, but listen, God wants people to see your prosperity. God wants people to see it. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 9 and 10, God said to his people, after saying he wanted them to walk in his blessings based on their obedience, he says, I'm going to establish you as a holy people. And then he says that I want the nations of the world to see that you're called by my name. And I want them to be in awe of you. That's what God said in Deuteronomy chapter 20. He said, I want the nations of the world to be in awe of my people. So there are three reasons why God wants you to enjoy superior, a superior quality life. You're his child. His reputation is at stake. And God wants the attention of the un. Say, Now, I want to close out this side with Exodus 3, 21 through 22 in the NIV. God is bringing his people, getting ready to bring his people out of Egyptian bondage. And then this is what he said to Moses. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go out empty. God says, now I'm going to deliver you out of Egyptian bondage, but I don't want you to go out empty. He says, every woman is to ask or demand her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver, gold, and for clothing. Now notice what he says, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. God says, now I'm going to give you favor with the Egyptians. I want you to go to them and ask for material things. And God says, I want you to put those things on yourself, on your sons and your daughters. You see, God did not want them to come out of Egyptian bondage broke financially. And God does not want you to come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son and you be, live a broke life, a life of lack, scarcity, and unfulfilled desire. Now, let's go over. We got, we got a few remaining minutes. And let's talk about the other side. We're talking about, okay, the abundant life. What is it? Number one, it is a life that's superior in quality. And that's what we walk through. The second side of this, this abundant life is to superabound or superabundant in quantity. Super abundant in quantity. In other words, God wants you in this life to have more than what you that have more than what's necessary. God wants you to exceed what is needed. God wants you to experience overflow. Be excessive. God wants you to have too much. Now, we'll get to the purpose in some of the following episodes. 
But I am saying that God wants you. And we're talking about material prosperity. We're not talking about spiritual prosperity. We're not talking about emotional and mental prosperity. We're not talking about physical prosperity. We're not talking about relational or social prosperity. All those are important. We're talking about financial and material prosperity. And I'm saying, as it relates to 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 your life and the church, the body of Christ, as it relates to material prosperity, it is God's will that you, follow me now, have more than what is necessary. It is necessary that you have material things to survive in this world. That's not materialism. That's not greed. You cannot survive in this life without material things. And God does not say material things are evil. In fact, in Matthew 6, 33, God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And then he says all these things. And if you look at Matthew 6, the context, all these things are material things. He said, all this will be added to you. So listen, God is not opposed to you having things. In fact, he wants you to have more things, material things, than than is necessary. He wants you to exceed what you need. In other words, he wants your material financial needs to be met, and then he wants you to exceed that. He wants you to have more financially money. He wants you to have more than what you need. He wants it to overflow in your life financial, material prosperity to overflow. In fact, God wants you. Now follow me and listen carefully. He wants you to have too much material things. He wants you to have too much. Now we'll talk about why, but he wants you to have too much. Come on, say too much. Now, let's get, as we prepare to close, let's talk about why God wants you to experience superabundant in quantity of material things, financial things. Why does God want you to have too much? Financially and materially speaking, why does God want you to have too much? I'm going to give you Three reasons on this side. Number one, God wants you to establish his kingdom and finance his work in the earth. God wants you to establish his kingdom and finance his work in the earth. If you don't have your needs met, you're coming up short. Or if you only have what you need, you're not going to be a channel 
to bless God's work in the earth. You're not going to be able to invest in the vision of your local church. You're not going to be able to invest in the gospel being spread and communicated. You're not going to have the resources. And God wants you to have more than what it takes for you to make it in life so that you will have more or have much more to give to his work in the earth. Number two, God wants you to be able to help the poor and needy. God wants you to be able to help the poor and needy. Not just say, I'll pray for you. I pray that someone help you. No, God wants you. He wants you to help the poor and needy. Now, if you are the poor and if you are the needy, then you can't help the needy and the poor because you are the poor and the needy. Now, thirdly, God wants you to be a channel of blessings to others. He wants you to be a channel of blessing to others. God doesn't bless people by pouring money down through the sky. No, God uses people to bless people. So he used people as a channel of blessings. The money, the resources belong to God, but he wants to channel money into our hand so that we will be a channel of blessings to others. When I was a kid, I believed in Santa Claus and many kids in our country believe in Santa Claus. And I always was excited around the Christmas season, and especially the night before Christmas, Christmas Eve, because as a kid, I believed that Santa Claus was going to bring me some toys, and I wake up the next day, and there be toys, okay? So my thoughts, I need Santa Claus to bless me. Well, as I began to grow in my knowledge of God's word, and especially in divine prosperity, I realized, I discovered that I was Santa Claus. Now, you may not realize this. Maybe it's a revelation to you. I am Santa Claus. I started saying that about myself years ago because I wanted to be a channel of blessings to others. That's what I mean. You have been called to be Santa Claus. In other words, you have been called to be a channel of blessings to others. And that's what Santa Claus does. He goes around. That's what the, the, the story of Santa Claus is, that this man goes around blessing folk with things, okay? Now, I transition that thought into my personal life. I want to be the blesser. I want to be in a position to help people. And I can't do that if I don't have an overflow. If I only have enough to take care of my needs and take care of my bills, then, and I don't have excess, I don't have more than what's necessary, more than what I need, then I can't be in a position to be a blessing. I hope that makes sense to you. In Exodus 36, 5 through 7, 
This is a proof text that not only does God want to bless you, God wants to bless your church. God wants to bless ministry, parachurch ministry, fivefold ministry. He wants to be a blessing. I believe that the church of the Lord Jesus should have plenty of money, plenty of financial resources to do what God calls the body of Christ to do. And in the building of the tabernacle, Exodus 36, 5 through 7, it says, And they spoke unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work. So the people were restrained from bringing for the stuff they had was sufficient to do all the work and too much, all the work and too much. Now, listen, as I close, the Bible says that when Israel came out of Egypt, God did not want them to come out uh, empty hand. In other words, the scripture says they came out with silver and gold and clothes. And the first thing God says, I want you to put the clothes on your sons and daughters. Now, he wanted them to experience the abundant supply. But once they got in the wilderness, God says, now I want you to bring me an offering to build my my tabernacle. The tabernacle was a type of the church, a type of the body of Christ, a type of, uh, of the kingdom of God. He said, I want you to bring offerings, finances, material things to the building of that tabernacle. And the Bible says they brought so much that they had to restrain the people from giving. They had to stop the giving because the people brought much more than was necessary. The scripture says they brought too much. I am saying that is God's will for you personally to have too much in your life. And I believe it's God's will for your church, your ministry, whatever it is, to have too much. And I believe that we, you and I, don't have a money problem. I believe that we have maybe a vision problem or faith problem, but we don't have a money problem. And in this series, I believe that I'm going to expand your vision of God and your potential in God. And I believe that the faith to receive an abundant life is flowing to you and will continue to flow throughout this series. Listen, I got to close it now, but we're not finished we're not finished. In fact, we just got started. Pray that you have a, a great rest of the week, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Are you ready to break free from the chains of anxiety, stress, and depression? Mike Moore, author and founding pastor of Faith Chapel and host of the How to Win podcast, is here with his new book, Help, My Mind is Under Attack. Learn how to overcome attacks on your mind and live an emotionally healthy life. Grab your copy now. Available as ebook on Amazon and paperback on MikeMoore.com. Embark on your journey to complete mental health and emotional peace.